0: Welcome to the River Fellowship Podcast. This week, lead pastor Darrell Anderson takes us to Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. This week, we learned that waiting rooms can be frustrating places to be, especially when you are in pain. Waiting on God can produce frustration as well. However, learning to wait on God with the proper perspective can be life-changing. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, go to rfamarillo.org. Let me invite you to turn to Joshua, chapter 40. I'm, I'm sorry. Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah chapter 40. I was thinking, we just finished our series in Joshua last week. We'll start a new series in a couple of weeks. But this morning, I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 40 and deal with the concept of learning to wait. I say learning to wait because that speaks to me because I'm not very good at it. When I was 28, I blew out my knee for the first time playing basketball. Tore my ACL, my MCL, my meniscus, fractured a bone, and I'd never had that kind of significant injury before. Well, I called my wife, I was at the church, I called my wife to see if she could come do something. She couldn't, she had two little preschool boys, so she had to try to get somebody to help her take care of the boys, so I had a friend there that took me to the emergency room. So I got checked in, you know, there at the little desk with the emergency room. And I'm thinking, I'm 28 years old, never been in the emergency room before, very naive, very young. I'm thinking as soon as I share with them what's going on, that they're going to rush me right back into the room, take care of me. After all, I'm in great pain, I'm in great need, I'm priority, and I need to be seen. So I was expecting, hey, let's roll in there. Those of you that have been in ER before, understand that doesn't happen. They just said, take a seat, and we'll be there with you in a moment. So I took a seat, waited, waited and waited, and waited, and waited. And while I wait, I'm becoming more frustrated, more steamed. I'm hurting worse. What's really frustrating is there were only a couple of other people in the ER. It wasn't like it was packed, so I'm wondering, what are they doing back there? I learned something about myself that morning. I hate emergency room waiting rooms. In fact, I don't really like waiting. I'm not good at waiting, period. We live kind of close to I-40 in Bell, and you know they've been working on that intersection for months. So there are times when I need to go that way, I'll pull out, and you can just tell there's going to be six, seven, eight lights before you're able to go through there. Well, I don't want to wait, so now I've just got all these other transition routes, back roads. I have no idea if it gets me there any quicker, but at least I'm doing something. I'm not just sitting there waiting. <laughs> I remember one trip to Mobile when our younger son was at school there. Somewhere in Mississippi, the highway became uh, stopped. You can see for miles, I don't know what ha- had happened, but it was clogged for miles. And I decided I'm not going to wait. So I was able to turn off into these back roads. It was almost dark. So I'm back here in the woods of Mississippi and about 10, 15 minutes in it, it's dark. And in Mississippi, it's dark. And so we're driving through, I'm starting to hear banjos playing, you know, (laughs) you know, eventually I get there and everything's cool. Again, I don't know if I actually saved any time, but I felt better because I was doing something. I I just, I don't like to wait. Unfortunately, that kinda of carries into River Fellowship too. You know, we're four months old. We're just, we're just a baby. I've been praying Ephesians 3.20 that God would do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I invite you just to pray that with us, that God would do some amazing things through River Fellowship and honor Himself and, and uh, fame His name. But I find myself praying, God, do immeasurably more like, than I can ask or imagine and do it right now. <laughs> do it now. I've kind of tagged, now, I haven't, I'm not actually praying that, okay? But I can tell in my spirit, though, it, deep in my spirit, there is that sense of, do it now, because I don't want to wait. So I've got to learn to wait. The deal with the spiritual life is waiting is part of the spiritual journey. Waiting is part of the spiritual experience. Waiting is part of the deal in our relationship with Christ, and how we commune with God. Now in scripture, there are three, at least three very specific things that all of us as followers of Christ are waiting for. Romans 8, 23 through 25 says that we are waiting eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. Now that may speak more to the older generation than the younger, I just know myself, the older I get, the more I long for the redemption of my body. Titus two thirteen says we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing. In other words, we're waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And because he's prolonged that some, it's easy for us to get um, out of focus, maybe lose that zeal, that passion, but but he is coming and we are waiting for that and expecting that. In Revelation 6.10, it's a picture of heaven. The martyrs are in heaven and they ask, how long until you judge the inhabitants, inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And they are told to wait a little longer until the full number of those that will be killed is complete, Phenomenous passage. But it tells us that we're waiting. It's part of the deal to wait. So let me ask you, do you ever find yourself waiting on God? Do you enjoy waiting on God? Or does it feel more like that ER waiting room experience where you're kind of there just stewing and wondering when is the great physician actually gonna come and tend to this need that I've got? When we find ourselves waiting, it's usually one of three things. We're either waiting for something that God's promised us, or we're waiting for something that we want from God we want God to do, or we're waiting for something that we need God to do. But regardless, it's this aspect of waiting. Isaiah 40 gives us a little bit of insight into the concept of waiting and learning to wait. Let's look at uh, start in verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not faint. For some context, the Israelites have been enduring a long and grievous captivity in Babylon. And they know the only way they're gonna be released from that captivity is if God comes through and does something miraculous for them. So they are calling out, they're crying out, God come rescue us and deal with us. And so that's part of what they're saying is learning to wait. Now this applies to us specifically when we are wanting God to do it. I'm just gonna call it it this morning. When we're waiting, we're usually waiting for God to do it, whatever that it is, whether it's something he's promised us, something that we want, something that we need. Maybe sometimes we're waiting for an extended period for God to do whatever this it is. But that's what this passage is talking about. When we're waiting, what does that look like? What should be happening during the waiting? The word wait in verse 31 means to long for means to hope in. In fact, some of your translations may say those that hope in the Lord. But it involves activity. It involves expectation. It involves passion. But the key in the verse isn't just the act of waiting. The key is in whom we're waiting. It says wait upon the Lord. So what does that mean, to wait upon the Lord? Well, I want to share three connotations with you this morning of what that looks like, to wait upon the Lord. Three concepts, if you will. Uh, three comparisons, maybe, what it is and what it isn't, what it looks like and what it doesn't look like. And here's the first one. Wait upon the Lord is about awaiting, not waiting. It's awaiting. It's not waiting. One is passive and one is active. I'm sure this has happened to probably all of you at some point. It's happened to me on several occasions. You call a deal with insurance or warranty company or IRS or somebody, and you get on the phone, and they put you on hold. Well, now these days, it's all you know, automated, so you get some automated message. Um, all of our representatives are currently busy. Uh, we'll get to you at the appropriate time, et cetera. And some of them now have tagged on this. The expected wait time is 15 minutes, 32 minutes, an hour and a half, whatever. If you decide to wait, you have two options. You can wait passively, or you can wait actively. Passively means you're just gonna kind of stand here, you're just gonna wait, and you're not gonna do anything. You're just on the phone and you're just waiting. And when you do it passively, the longer you wait, the more you begin to stew. You get angry. You get heated. You get frustrated. You start to complain and gripe. And that just becomes this negative deal. Just it's awful. It's an awful experience. Or, which is what I've tried to do now, is be active. You just put the little speaker on and wait for them to come back. And while I'm waiting, I'll just do some other stuff. I'll work on the computer. I'll Balance my checkbook. I'll go do chores. I'll do something else that really needs to be done while I'm waiting. So I'm productive and active, and things are really happening even in the midst of waiting. That's this concept here of awaiting. Waiting is idle and passive, but awaiting is active and productive. So waiting upon the Lord means that I'm going to continue to do what I know God's called me to do. I'm gonna continue to do those things that Christ is deeming for me to do. I'm gonna continue to pursue Christ and follow Christ and love Christ. I'm not just going to to stop everything. In other words, I'm waiting for God to do it, so until God does it, I'm not doing another thing. I'm just gonna sit here spiritually and wait until God does it. And when we do that, what happens is we become frustrated, and angry. We start to complain, and we wonder why God isn't doing whatever God's supposed to be doing, and this negative spirit takes place and takes over. So, awaiting is different. Awaiting means I expect God to answer. I'm not sure when it's going to happen. So, in the meantime, I'm going to continue to follow Christ and pursue Christ and not be discouraged. So, take that one, and let's put on top of that this second definition and aspect, what it means to wait upon the Lord, and that is it's about abiding and not biding. It's about abiding and not just biding. Heard the phrase, just biding time? Have you heard that phrase? Go up to somebody who's just kinda standing around, not doing anything, say, hey, what are you doing? I'm just biding time. I'm just just hanging out, just biding time. What that means is I'm just kind of enduring I'm just kind of hanging out until this next opportunity, whatever I'm waiting for, if I'm expecting somebody to pick me up or whatever the issue is, I'm just kind of biding time until this next opportunity takes place. We can have that same mindset with Christ. We're just biding time, but it's not about biding, it's about abiding. Here's the difference. Biding is waiting for God to do something. Abiding is waiting in God until it happens. Biting is seeking God's hand, but abiding is seeking God's face. Biting is desiring something from God, but abiding is simply desiring God. And there's a huge difference Because the difference is while I'm waiting in that ER waiting room for God, I'm not going to become frustrated. I'm not just tolerating this time. I'm not just enduring this time until God does it. Rather, something very exciting is taking place in my spirit. As we abide in him, God remains active in us. He remains active for us. He continues to work in us. He continues to work for us. And if we have the mindset of abiding, what happens is we begin to enjoy that time. We begin to experience some things of God in that time. We begin to understand God a little bit better. We begin to realize who God is and what he's doing a little more intimately in that time. If we can learn that approach to waiting upon the Lord, God does some significant things in our spirit. He says it here in verse 29. He says that he will give strength to the weary and he will increase the power of the weak. If we have a mindset of abiding, rather than just, I'm just biding time till God does it, God can do some really cool things in our heart and in our life. Keep your finger in Isaiah 40. I invite you to flip over to Psalm 145. This gives us a little bit more insight or expounds a little bit on what can take place with this spirit of abiding when we learn to wait upon the Lord. Psalm 145, we pick it up in verse 14. says, the Lord upholds those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Two significant realities take place in our life and in our spirit when we develop this aspect of learning to abide as we wait. And the first, verse 14 tells us, God upholds. God will uphold us. And that word has four very specific definitions, very specific word pictures. The first is it means to grab or to hold. And the word picture is if someone's about to fall over a cliff and somebody grabs that person right before they fall over the cliff and keep them from falling, that's the word picture. That when we're about to fall, God grabs us and he holds us and he will not let us fall. Second definition means to refresh. And this word picture is like a desert wanderer who is thirsty, dying of lack of water, and he finds the water, and so he's refreshing himself with the the water. He strengthens, strengthens himself and is refreshed. That's the word picture. When we're dry spiritually, God will come with his spirit and he refreshes us and helps us regain our strength. The third definition means sustain. This is kind of the word picture of maybe being on a, on a breathing machine, a respirator, ventilator, something that, that I don't have the strength yet to breathe on my own. So I have a machine that is going to sustain me until I'm strengthened and can breathe on my own. That's the word picture of this word. That in those days when we are so weak and we are so uh, distraught, God will sustain us until we have built the strength back up once again. The fourth definition means to brace this is a word picture of a, maybe a little tree that here in this West Texas 60 mile an hour winds that tree can just break and bend that we can brace it. You get a rod and you tie it and you brace that tree up and so now the tree has the strength of that brace. That's the other word picture. In other words, when it says God upholds us, it means that he holds us, he refreshes us, he sustains us, he braces us, he meets us right where we are and then he helps move us to where we need to be. In practical application, that means when we're discouraged, he'll encourage us. When we're depressed, he will become our delight. When we're broken, he'll mend us. When we're wayward, he will lovingly and gently redirect us. When we're in danger, he'll rescue us. When we're weary, he'll energize us. He takes us and he upholds us, he will not let us fall and he will bring us to the place of strength once again if we will use that time to abide in Him. But verse 16 gives us a second thing that God does. It says that He satisfies. It's a beautiful word picture. Says He opens His hand and satisfies us with good things. Here's the image in my mind. God holds in His hand everything that He is and everything that He has. All of His goodness, His mercy, His grace, His power, everything, every good gift comes from the Father. So He has everything in His hand and so He opens his hand, and he satisfies us with every good thing, with all that he is and all that he has. That word means to fill to overflowing, to satiate. In other words, if it's a cup that you're pouring, once it gets full, he just keeps pouring. It's filled to overflowing. It literally means to bring to complete contentment. What happens in that time is we begin to realize I don't really need anything else. I don't need anyone else. I'm becoming content in Him. In other words, I've been waiting for it, for God's response, but now I'm beginning to realize I don't really need a solution. I don't need the response. I don't need this issue resolved or this problem solved. What I needed was God. And while I was waiting for God to do it, God did it. (laughs) David says it best in Psalm 17, 15. When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. His satisfaction came from this abiding and this intimacy with God. Now take both of these now. It's about awaiting, it's about abiding, and let's pile on a third connotation. Third, to wait upon the Lord is all about timing and not time. It's timing, it's not about time. The issue is, often, there is a period of time between our request and God's response. Not always, but most of the time when we're wanting God to do it and we're asking him to do it, generally there's a a distance of time between that request and God's response. And that time is the ER waiting room. That's the waiting period. That's the time that we're talking about that can get very frustrating if we're not careful. When I was in youth ministry, it seemed like every year at youth camp, uh, we had a, what we called then a talent show. Thursday night, kids would come in to be a talent show. After a few years, we quit calling it a talent show and call it a non-talent show because <laughs> it was full. there was no talent. It was the stupidest stuff you've ever seen in your life. But it seemed like every year... This skit would be done. Those of you that hung out at youth camps, you've seen this, so don't spoil it. But it was the same skit every every year. Some some group would do the skit. You'd have about five or six people in chairs in a line, and they're all sitting just like this. So the first person would look at the second person and say, is it time yet? Second person would look at the third person, is it time yet? Third or fourth, is it time yet? Go all the way to the end. The last person would look at his watch and say, nope, it's not time yet. So come all the way back, nope, 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 come back to the first person. So then they just sit there, just look stupid for five minutes. Then <laughs> they say again, is it time yet? So go back down the line. Nope. Come back down the line. They do that four or five times. Finally, this person would say, Is it time yet? Is so it time? You go to the end, and finally the person would say, Yep, it's time. Yep, it's time, it's time. So once it gets back to the first person, all at the same time, everybody just went, <sniffs> <laughs> change their legs. And that was a skit. Is that not the dumbest thing you've ever seen? <laughs> and you would think one year that might be, a oh, okay, that's funny. But the sixth year in a row it's not funny. <laughs> it's an awful skip, but it's a great application for what we're talking about. Because if we're not careful, when we are in the waiting period with God, we're waiting for him to do something, we can get very antsy and we keep saying, God, is it time yet? Is it time yet? God, is it time yet? And what happens is we begin to focus on the time. That puts the focus on ourselves. That puts the focus on our issue and our situation. And it just begins to build this negative dynamic in our heart and in our spirit of trying to figure out, God, is it time yet? And if we're not careful, something very subtle can take over in us. We can begin to think that god exists for us and god i expect you to do what i want you to do how i want you to do it when i want you to do it and in reality just the opposite is true god does not exist for us we exist for him to do what he wants us to do how he wants us to do it, when he wants us to do it. He's the focus. He's in charge. It's all about his timing. It doesn't matter what time we think it is, and if we think, God, it's time, because what happens, if God doesn't do it in the time we think it ought to happen, that's when we become angry. That's when we complain. That's when we begin to blame God and think, God, something's wrong with you. What are you doing? And it starts to mess up our relationship. We have to think timing, not time. Because when we think time, it messes us up. Remember the story of Abraham. He was given a promise of God. He's going to be the father of nations. He's going to have a son. He's going to have an heir. The only problem with that is there was 13 years between that promise and the vision coming to pass. So he had to wait 13 years. Abraham couldn't wait that because he began to think, ah, oh, it's got to be time. He and his wife, it's got to be time. So they have the Hagar experience and they just mess up everything. Why? Because they got antsy about the time. They didn't under- he didn't understand at that point that God had different timing. Jesus was just the opposite. He understood timing. Remember the wedding when they ran out of wines and so the mother of Jesus comes to Jesus and says, hey, do something about this. Jesus' first response was, my time's not yet come. It's not the right timing. There was another instance where the crowd wants to kill Jesus, but the scripture says it wasn't time yet. It wasn't the right timing. Toward the end, when Jesus realizes that the timing is now and, and he's going to die on the cross, he began to tell his disciples, my time has come. Jesus understood the difference between time and timing. God's on a different timetable than we are, but his timing is perfect. And we get messed up when we think about, I think it's time versus waiting for God's timing because God's timing is perfect. Learning to wait upon the Lord means we begin to submit to the timing of God. Isaiah eight seventeen says, I will wait for the Lord. I will put my trust in him. I may want God to do it, but I can wait because he's in charge and I trust him. And I know he knows what he's doing. So that's what waiting upon the Lord is. It's awaiting, it's abiding, and it's about timing. So what's the result? If we can learn to wait, if we can increase our ability to wait, what what happens to us? Well, he tells us there in that passage, those that wait upon the Lord, what? Will renew their strength. The result is renewal. At the core, it means to change or to alter, but really what that word means it means to revive, it means to cause to flourish again. When you become dry, weak, whatever, it's cause to flourish, he will cause us to flourish again, he will revive our spirit. And then he gives us a descriptive of what that looks like. We will walk and not faint. We'll run and not grow weary. And we will soar on wings like eagles. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about refuge and how God would be a refuge, and it was an illustration of a bird in his wings. I told you then, I don't know much about birds. I still don't know much about birds. But I did discover that there are basically four types of birds when it comes to flying or their ability to fly or how they fly. The first are the non-flyers. They can't fly. Emu, ostrich. The second are those that flap. They're flappers. Typically little birds, sparrows, whatever, they can fly, but they have to really flap and really work hard to fly. The third are those that glide. These are little larger birds, their wings are bigger and stronger, they're able to kind of ride the the, the air and the wind, they can glide. The fourth are those that soar. And the eagle is the highest, greatest, strongest of all those that soar. It's interesting to me that this passage does not say You'll be renewed and you will mount up with wings of emus. (laughs) Or you'll mount up with wings as little sparrows. You'll be able to fly, but boy, you're going to have to work hard. You will mount up and you will soar on wings like eagles. He will revive you. He will cause you to flourish. He will strengthen you. He will help you regain that strength and that power. The song says it strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. So here's the big question. How do I know if I'm learning to wait? How do I know? When you can experience joy and peace and contentment, even in the waiting, you're learning to wait. When the response becomes less important. When you no longer need God to do it, you're learning to wait. When you realize that what you really needed, God did in the waiting. While you're abiding in him, when you realize that your greatest satisfaction is in him, not in anything you want him to do for you, that's how you know that you're learning to wait. And the great news is those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will walk and not faint. They will run and not grow weary. They will soar on wings like eagles. So this morning, if you are in the waiting room, if you find yourself in the ER waiting room waiting for God to do it, just abide in Him and let Him uphold you Let him satisfy you and see what he does in you, even in the midst of the waiting. Would you bow with me? Some of you may seriously be in the waiting room this morning. It's not easy, it's not fun. The longer you're in the waiting room the harder it is to trust him. But our God is faithful. His timing is perfect. So if you are or when you are in the waiting room, just know, one, that he's gonna come through at the right time. But number two, let him be God in you and let him do what he wants to do you in the waiting. Father, we just thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you're able to take us in our times of weakness, frustration, pain, and revive us. Cause us to flourish. You can sustain us and strengthen us. So Father, that's my prayer for any of us this morning. If that's where we are this morning, may you come in and revive us. May our strength arise as we wait upon you, Father. We love you. Be with us now as we worship together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, or to hear more messages, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.